Take advantage of Johnson & Johnson's winter wellness event and get rewarded. It pays to be prepared for the season. Get sweet deals from Johnson & Johnson's Winter Wellness Event now through December 3rd. If you purchase $15 or $25 of participating products at BJ's, you can get a $5 or $10 reward. Plus, you can even enter to win a Visa Rewards card. Purchase at BJ's, upload your receipt, and choose your reward. It pays to be prepared at BJ's. Hello, welcome to the Post-Production Podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And we are a lively bunch today. Yeah, we are. (laughs) This is our podcast. I am a professional videographer and lighting designer, editor, that kind of stuff. And Rachel does literally everything. Video, music, writing, (laughs) because she's in school, but also some other stuff too. Yeah. Anyway, this is our podcast, and we share our opinions on popular works, like more popular stuff, but it's obviously very dubious anyway. And today, we are going to discuss a masterpiece of cinema. Well, it's a TV show. Masterpiece of cinema. Okay. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing. (laughs) But before that, I just want to apologize for not warning you that we were taking Thanksgiving off. And then uh, we also took last week off because of scheduling stuff, because Rachel is a full-time student and she just got up and walked away. Okay, she's back. So, sorry about that, but it's been a few weeks since we last uh, checked in. So, Rachel, how, how has your production couple of weeks been? When I tell you it has been truly buck wild, I really mean it. I had rehearsals or performances or shoots literally every night last week. Uh, did you sleep? Not a ton, which is fine. The thing that uh, has been a little rough is that the beginning of this week was um, a similar slew of like tons of back-to-back, like rehearsal, performance, rehearsal, performance. Like yeah. there were a few days where I would have like a couple rehearsals and then a performance, and then I'd go to rehearsal afterwards, which like happens but I'm definitely I'm getting to the point where um said schedule is not jiving well with my academics oh yeah that too it's been a good time like I I've done some really fun stuff weren't you in the jazz band for some reason I was yeah um I did some vocals for like a jazz oh. ensemble okay that makes more sense so you were just doing like like that sure yeah okay <laughs> exactly like that <laughs> just like that and then i also did some shadowing of like sound engineer people um since that is an avenue of media production i'm currently learning about yeah and then i led my last chapel of the semester this week. So I was a little emo about it. I was like, wow, this is like my last time leading chapel in a little cathedral that's decorated for Christmas. It's also your last fall semester. Yeah, it's also my last fall semester, which like is wild because I've been working so hard to just get through all of the things for the last few weeks. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like- It's almost over. In a week and a half, I'll have finished my second to last semester of college. It's crazy. You've been here for like 30 years already, so. Yeah, it kind of feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. How was your production few weeks? Well, I've been doing lots of editing as usual. Our Hot Wings videos premiered. The first three are out and we're doing it on a a weekly basis, which is great. So it's going to be the last six weeks of the year. And then the library is also hosting another play. And so I've been, you know, shadowing that when I need to as well. So, you know. All the fun stuff. It's not 
super crazy yet. Well, I guess it is. It's not as bad as it could be, you know? Fair. I do need to play for the listeners the audio message that I received from you last <laughs> week concerning the Hot Wings videos. Oh, yes. Actually, do you want to save it for a future episode? Because uh, thinking of that inspired me to uh, put down a classical music episode. Oh, Yes, I will save that in that yeah. case. Yeah, <laughs> so that that will happen eventually. That'll be a, a teaser for the listeners. Yeah. Hit subscribe <laughs> so that you can hear this mystery audio message at some point in the future. Yes, but uh, basically I was begging Rachel to name a, a classical music, a particular classical music piece for me because you can't Google that kind of stuff. No, you really can't. Like if you have a symphony stuck in your head, yeah. good luck ever figuring out what it's called. But the idea for those videos was I wanted to kind of gradually make the backing track more and more stressful mm-hmm. uh, so like it starts out all like calm and happy and then towards the end so this last video on the last wing which is like the spiciest of them all like her entire reaction i put over um tchaikovsky 1812 over with the cannons and everything <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so she's like crying behind you know that's awesome i knew that one I will say, like, there are a few things that set the mood for a video as well as a full orchestra. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Kiri? Well, speaking of music. So true. In in a, a, a video, you know what TV show heavily features musical numbers in every single episode, in every single segment? Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. Ferb. We both love this show. There's a hundred and four days of summer vacation. So the annual problem for our generation is finding a good way to spend it. Like baby. Anyway. Yeah, pretty much. See, this is how we don't get copyright struck, stricken. We just sing it ourselves. Do you want to know a really funny story about Phineas and Ferb to sort of like kick off? our time unpacking it today. Absolutely. The podcast listeners may or may not know, but in the middle of last school year, I dyed my hair electric blue because I could. It was just like the ends of your hair. It was a good two thirds of the the hair I had at the time. And then I had to cut my hair because it was so damaged from the blue. So then the two thirds of my head that was blue became one half of my head that was blue because I cut off a lot of the blue. Head. All that to be said, when you have really long, thick hair, thick. dyeing your hair a crazy color actually takes like a super long time, I guess. I, I know. Which I was not anticipating. I have personal experience, yes. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I dyed my hair bright red my senior year of high school, and it would it would take forever to get it all all up in there. Yeah, because I, I bleached it, and then I dyed it blue. And I did this all in a school night, meaning that from the hours of about 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., oh. I dyed my hair blue while watching Phineas and Ferb, ah. just like straight through. That's how it's relevant. Okay. And so I have this very vivid and recent memory of the smell of hair dye in the middle of the night <laughs> while watching my 72nd Phineas and Ferb episode in a row or whatever, <laughs> how many I watched. It was so many, though. It was a great time. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a good show for when you just want to relax and have fun, not think too hard about stuff. It is very formulaic, though. It really is. 
And they manage to keep it fun. Every time. But they definitely have a structure that works for them. Every every single time we have Phineas and Ferb deciding what they want to do today. Perry leaves to go check in with Major Monogram and get his uh, mission, which is every time Doofenshmirtz is up to something, go check it out. Mm-hmm. Within a montage, Phineas and Ferb make the thing that they wanted to make. Candace tries to tell on them the whole time. Yeah. While also being head over heels for Jeremy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. And then, ah, oh, Perry the Platypus. Yeah. Doofenshmirtz has some kind of innator and a villain monologue while... Perry the platypus is trapped in some ridiculous trap. Yep. And then he gets himself out of it, beats the crap out of Doofenshmirtz, pushes the self-destruct button on Doofenshmirtz's invention, and flies home. Yep. Curse you, Perry the platypus. But usually the innator somehow makes Phineas and Ferb's invention disappear as well. Disappear, yeah, every time. So that Candace can't bust them. They're so correlated, yeah. Oh, and while they use their invention, Phineas and Ferb's inventions, there's always a musical number about them having fun with whatever it is that they're doing. Yes. And then Doofenshmirtz's invention completely obliterates Phineas and Ferb's invention. And then Candace brings the mom home and it's gone and Candace needs extra therapy. So that's the episode. Yes. That's every episode. And yet somehow they manage to make it funny every single time. Yes. Maybe not every single time, but most of the time. I will say when you look up the Wikipedia breakdown of this show, the plot summary really kills me. I can do you one better because um, I found the Phineas and Ferb wiki. Ooh, I just need to read you this one sentence. Okay. Well, it's actually two. Every day, the, well, no, three. The program follows Phineas Flynn and his stepbrother, Ferb Fletcher, who are between eight and ten years old. Somewhere in there. On summer vacation. (laughs) Every day, the boys embark on some grand new project. These are usually unrealistic, given the protagonists' ages, and are sometimes downright physically impossible, which annoys their controlling older sister, Candace. It just kills me for some reason. These are usually unrealistic given the protagonist's ages. No, really? It's not like that's the whole point of the show or something. And and it's only unrealistic because of how old they are, not because of, you know, the world that we actually live in. Yeah, yeah. But but do tell, how how does Phineas and Ferb wiki deal with this? They have it split between the Phineas and Ferb scenario and the Agent P subplot. Wow. And the Candace subplot. So they get pretty scientific with it is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah, they get. Yeah. So for Phineas and Ferb scenario, here we go. Phineas, voiced by Vincent Martella and Ferb, voiced by uh, Thomas Sangster, who actually is now more famous for being a main character in the Maze Runner. I forgot exactly which one, but like once you see his face, like, yeah. So Phineas and Ferb are stepbrothers who live with their older sister, Candace, who is voiced by Ashley Tisdale. And their parents, Linda and Lawrence, in the town of Danville. The brothers find themselves dissatisfied just spending their summer vacation outside of school, so they pull off unbelievable and often outlandish stunts, i.e. finding a mummy, getting the band back together, Mm -hmm. racing cars, (laughs) constructing a giant roller coaster, just to name some. In order to make summer more exciting, their sister Kansas is Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> their sister Kansas. Their sister Candace is aware of their unusual activities and tries to play spoil sport by telling their mom. I've never heard that before. 
spoil sport by telling their mom so that the adventures of Phineas and Ferb could be put to an end. Candace's actions emerge mostly out of jealousy because she would not be able to get away with the same acts since she gets busted for things that she wasn't even intending to do, like throwing a party and Candace gets busted. I don't remember that episode. I don't either. Maybe I will if I watch it. That's an interesting perspective on why Candace is so obsessed with getting them into trouble. Right. It's that like that oldest child, I wasn't able to get away with this and yet you are kind of perspective, you know? Right. Like you're the oldest in your family, right? Yeah. I mean, like it always cracks me up because like, I mean, we didn't get like a Wii console until I think I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. And so I remember like growing up as a kid, I was always like, what? I didn't get to grow up playing like video games. So like, why do my siblings get to do that? It's it's just that funny thing of like, as your family like develops and interacts with the world, yeah. there's always that oldest kid thing of like, yeah, I'm like cool and oldest and responsible and whatever, whatever, whatever. But there's always that twinge of jealousy of like, you're kind of the experiment child. Oh, yeah. Which is not true. But like, it, you can sometimes feel like that, which is hilarious. Yeah, I'm not the oldest, but I am the first girl, which, which comes with its own slew of first things. But for me, it was it was Disney princesses. I wasn't a lot like we, magic was a huge taboo when I was little. And then my next sister comes along and she loves Disney princesses and gets like the dolls and the dresses and everything. And I'm just watching this like, so so what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where was the turnaround here? But I think there were a couple of episodes where Phineas and Ferb's parents like actually do see, like especially the dad. The dad is such a himbo. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he sees these inventions and he's like, huh, cool. And just kind of goes along with it. Like I know the dad has done that several times. I don't know if the mom has ever actually seen what they do. I don't I don't recall a time when she like actually saw it and it was either actually her or she didn't get her memory wiped or anything like that. Yeah. Because there were some instances where Candace does show the mom what Phineas and Ferb are doing and she thinks she's one. But, but then the mom's like, oh, that's so nice, boys. Right. Yeah. Like the mom doesn't truly grasp the gravity of the situation a lot of times or lack thereof because sometimes they just fly which I will say like that was always a part of the plot that like it starts to wear on me after a while I think especially if I'm like binge watching Phineas and Ferb it kind of bugs me that the parents are I know that they're just meant to be portrayed as oblivious but sometimes it starts to come off as the parents are just stupid yeah you know what I mean yeah and I feel like that that's the part that, like, does start to get a little old is you're like, okay, at some point, I feel like a normal set of parents would maybe accept that their older daughter is not crazy and would not just be saying all this stuff for no reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, especially since it's so consistent, mm-hmm. th- there's got to be a point where, but to be fair, by the time she actually shows them, the the invention is gone. Yeah. So at the very least, you could at least put her in some kind of therapy or something, although that would only <laughs> encourage the idea that she is wrong and like she needs to be fixed and that they don't believe her, that she's just going insane. Spoken like a true psych major. Yeah. Psychoanalyzing the show. I mean, if you read into it at all, then you're reading too much into it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But it is it is interesting to ponder these questions. It is. I think, like, this show was really fun growing up because, like, by the time 
like my family started watching it it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't watch it when it was like airing or anything. So it was really fun because it was definitely like a oh like this is like sort of just a fun show that we can all enjoy because there are some one-liners in there that are just hilarious. Oh yeah. But you know like to my younger siblings who were kids at the time it was just a really fun like animated show about summer. Yeah. And then I will say like Dan Povenmire who is yes. one of the two founders he made a TikTok account. Yes, he did. And he is so funny on that TikTok account that it sort of reinvigorated like my love for Phineas and Ferb after years and years and years. Yeah, I actually like shortly after I moved into my apartment uh, and got my Disney Plus all hooked up and everything, I watched a lot of Phineas and Ferb <laughs> because it was fun and it was you know I I looked forward to. Later in the day, after I get home from work, I'll I'll watch Phineas and Ferb like over dinner or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, speaking of watching stuff, this is completely unrelated, but I have some news for the listeners and for you. Oh, really? I started watching Harry Potter. Yes. Ah, oh, about time. I finished the first movie last night. I started it on like Monday afternoon because <laughs> I have this personal rule that like I don't watch TV until I'm like sitting and eating like dinner or whatever Mm -hmm. so it's usually like 30 45 minutes at a time which for like a marvel movie that's like two sittings but for this it was so long (laughs) yeah it was like two and a half hours long was the first movie so it's gonna take me a while to get through all eight of them but yeah I, i i thought they did a good job of capturing the wonder of this new world and uh, the the first movie was obviously there to kind of establish the world that we're in and how Hogwarts works and just like the Harry Potter Mm -hmm. basics. Slytherin. Snape. Snape. I could not take him seriously because of all of the memes and impressions I've seen. All the memes and TikToks. Oh yeah. Like just he's so ridiculous and I love him. Yeah. Alan Rickman just plays that character in such an odious way. It's so funny to me. He just like stares down and then like walks away. It's really funny. I will say I did not see the uh, the, the squirrel man twist coming. S- Professor Squirrel. Quirrell. I had no idea what you were talking about for a minute. <laughs> I'm tracking now because you haven't read the books. Have you? I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Fair. I didn't see that twist coming, I will say. <laughs> and uh, Harry already needs a lot of therapy. So true. D- not just from his upbringing, but also he killed one of his professors just by touching him with a power that he didn't understand. Yeah. It, like, no 11-year-old is going to walk away from that mentally unscathed. I will say, like, not to be that person, but um, I'm a proponent of the books over the movies. Like, I think... The movies did a great job of capturing as much of the books as they could mm-hmm. in a cinematic way. Well, and I could tell they were really trying just because of how long and deliberate each of the scenes yeah. were. Yeah. No, and they really, like, in terms of film adaptations, they worked so hard and they kept the author so involved. So props to the filmmakers. But if you read the first book, that plot twist that you're talking about mm-hmm. is a lot more, it's slowly built up. But you are you like just start to realize it when the plot twist fully happens. Yeah. You get to that point and you're like, okay, something shady is going on with that professor. And then he takes off his turban in the book and you're like, wait, what? Bah! They they did have me believing it was Snape the whole time, but 
Yeah, they're good at that. I didn't recognize the name Quirrell, so I kind of knew he wasn't going to last long. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, didn't make it through the end of movie one. Yeah. So Phineas and Ferb. (laughs) Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yes. So that was the Phineas and Ferb scenario that we were just talking about. (laughs) On to the Agent P subplot, as explained by Phineas and Ferb wiki. Okay. Uh, Phineas and Ferb's pet, Perry. Voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who, by the way, is the voice of literally everyone in your childhood, including all of the clones in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and The Bad Batch. Dang. And Appa and Momo and Avatar The Last Airbender, and a bunch of other voices from shows that I am not quite as familiar with. Uh, but basically, he's super talented and an extremely prolific voice actor. So that's D. Bradley Baker. How do they make him do these sessions though because all perry does is yeah the weird like teeth chattering noise i don't know like there's not really any emotion to it did they just like ask him to make all these noises one day and then they just i was gonna say i bet he just came into the studio for a few hours never came back (laughs) made the noise a bunch of different ways and then never looked back right yeah has been making bank off of royalties since then oh yeah well started working for star wars after that probably So Perry is actually a secret agent named Agent P. Normally, Perry's first appearance in the story is after someone, usually usually Phineas, notices his absence and asks, Hey, where's Perry? After the question is asked, the scene usually changes right to Perry entering secret chutes or entrances that bring him to some underground headquarters where he receives instructions via a monitor from his boss, Major Monogram. Uh, who is voiced by Jeff, Sh- Jeff Swampy Marsh, one of the co-creators of the show. However, in some cases, Perry is simply shown in the base receiving a briefing. Major Monogram then assigns Perry some- Okay, I guess that's a, like an alternative to him like coming down the chute and making an elaborate entrance. Yeah, yeah, you just cut to him already there. Yeah. Major Monogram then assigns Perry some mission that generally involves Dr. Doofenshmirtz, voiced by Dan Povenmire, who is one of the who's the other co-creator of the show, and his nefarious plans to wreak havoc on the tri-state area, though this is not always the case. A majority of the Perry subplot involves him battling Dr. Doofenshmirtz in knowingly hackneyed fashion. That's a great descriptor. <laughs> Such as Doofenshmirtz's long monologues about his plans to Perry. This subplot also includes, sometimes, the sarcasms from Vanessa, Doofenshmirtz's daughter, and Norm, Doofenshmirtz's robot. Inevitably, these battles are brought very near where Phineas and Ferb are doing whatever plan they had for the day, and generally aid in the removal of all evidence related to what they were doing before Candace can show it to her mother. Sometimes this works backwards, and Phineas and Ferb's invention destroys Doofenshmirtz's plan. Ah, and they have some examples. Hail Doofaniel. Oh, Hail Doofania or whatever. Oh, Doofania. That's an exclamation point, not an L. Okay. Thaddeus and Thor and Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension. Amazing. Okay. Which is your favorite subplot? The Phineas and Ferb plot or the Perry plot? Ooh. If you had to get rid of one of them and only watch the other. Honestly, the inventions have always been so fascinating to me that I think I would keep that one. Like the Agent P subplot is super fun, but after a while you're like, okay, he's going to show up. Dr. Doofenshmirtz is going to complain about some aspect of his past or how he's ugly or something. <laughs> he's going to have some weird innator and Agent P is going to kick his butt at the end. I feel like the Phineas and Ferb plot itself... It's just as formulaic. It's just as formulaic, but the invention itself is so different every time. And, like, that's always been the fun part. And also... If you cut the Phineas and Ferb part, then you also cut the music. Of course you would go there, yeah. And I feel like the original music is like, 
such a big part of why Phineas and Ferb is good. It's because they literally have the characters writing and performing songs about the inventions. Yeah, every single episode. It's not every episode. It's Well, it's pretty close. It's a lot of them, but it's not all of them. Yeah, a very large majority of them, which is a lot of songs, and most of them are really good. I would go the other direction. I would go figure. watch just the uh, Perry and Doofenshmirtz plot because I like Perry. He's my favorite character. Also, Doofenshmirtz is really funny and I like action. Yeah, that's fair. And, and sometimes, I'm, I'm going to say it, Candace is kind of annoying sometimes. No, I would <laughs> cut the Candace subplot entirely and just watch the Phineas and Ferb part. Okay. That's okay. That's really like if we're truly examining all of the subplots... I would cut Candace and keep Phineas and Ferb and Agent P. Like, I would keep those two main sort of parallel plots, and I would cut the Candace subplot, I think, if I had to pick. There is also a description of the Candace subplot. (sighs) Occasionally, there are subplots relating to Candace during the stories. They generally involve either Candace chatting or hanging out with her friend Stacy, or attempting to get the attention of her crush Jeremy. So true. Voiced by Mitchell Musso. Oliver from Hannah Montana. Yes. <laughs> that's that's a discussion for a different episode. So true. These subplots commonly weave in with Candace's many attempts to bust Phineas and Ferb, and that's all they have to say about it. So yeah. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Would you like to know a little bit of the history of how this show began? Yeah, this show's history is really like almost the the quote unquote like the American dream, but like the media production version of like yeah oh they just worked really hard and persevered and then they made it big but yeah let's talk about the history so Phineas and Ferb first premiered on August 17th 2007 and the final episode aired on June 12th 2015 so that's eight years of Phineas and Ferb but technically only four seasons dragged out through eight years and uh, they've also done various like TV movies and specials. Like they just did one last year, I think 2020, Candace versus the Universe. Yeah, and that, that one was actually pretty good. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was a, a long Phineas and Ferb episode, is what it was. But yeah, it was started by Dan Pavenmeyer and Jeff Swampy Marsh. They led out. They woo. They met as layout artists on The Simpsons in the mid 90s, and they sat across from each other as layout artists on that series. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was one sentence that you can tell this was created by just fans. Let me, let me read you that sentence again. Creators Dan Pavenmeyer and Jeff Swampy Marsh met as layout artists on The Simpsons in the mid-90s where they sat across from each other as layout artists on that series. Wow. They bonded over their weird sense of humor. Seems right. Yeah. They were paired as a writing team on Rocco's Modern Life, which was a Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. And then during that time... Uh, they started working on Phineas and Ferb, or like developing it, developing the idea. And that's how it began. Yeah. Sort of. Well, it really all began with like the drawing of like the, the triangle head and the F-shaped head, you know? Yeah. I think the interesting part to me is um, that it took Dan Pavenmeyer 16 years of pitching the show to different networks before it was picked up by Disney. Yeah. They kind of made the dream of like media production work that a lot of content creators attempt and never quite land in, in that like they had this great idea collaboratively that they loved and then they persisted and persisted. They they pitched it a bunch of places, um, including like Cartoon Network, Fox Kids, 
Nickelodeon, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even know there was a Fox Kids. All of those networks are now kicking themselves because they, they could have made bank off the licensing of this show. Oh, yeah. But eventually they pitched it to Disney and Disney sort of negotiated with it and then told them that they would not immediately accept the show but that they'd keep the packet around yeah and so Meyer and Marsh were kind of like oh well that's another no like oh well and then Disney came back eventually and was like hey we think this is a great idea and we're ready to try it now and that's how Phineas and Ferb was eventually picked up by a network and finally created and aired so, but like, it's just crazy to me. It's kind of the same as uh, with them trying to get this show picked up for 16 years. Yeah. It reminds me of, I, I saw a story the other day about how the founder of Squid Games pitched this show for like 10 years or something like that. It was wild. And now it's a smash hit. Okay. I, I will say something about Squid Game. I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Okay. I have no desire to see it. I don't either. I don't either. I've heard all kinds of things about it, but I have not heard one person say that it's good. Interesting. Not one. <laughs> I've heard, oh, it's insane. Oh, there's all kinds of just stuff going on. Not one person has said, oh, it's amazing. It's, this is like a true masterpiece of television. Not one. I will say, seeing the trailers for Squid Game, I was really intrigued by sort of like how visually dynamic and colorful it was. Yes, I had, yeah, I do like the, the posters, the colors. So, yeah, I saw that and I was like, this looks really visually interesting. Yeah. For me, I didn't feel like the content was something that I was ready to engage with that would be encouraging and positive for me as a person. So I decided to pass on watching it. But, I mean, I have heard really interesting things about the writing and the shots and things like that. So, I mean, obviously it's something that people are enjoying engaging with, or maybe they're just so disturbed by the basic concept that they can't stop watching. Right, yeah. That's that's what I get. That That's the impression that I get. Yeah, it's just really interesting, though, that, like, you know, you have these smash hit shows, which you could argue that Phineas and Ferb itself was a smash hit. Yeah, once it came out, yeah. Yeah, like once it was out. And that's the thing, like these guys pitched this show for 16 years. Like that's a long time. Yeah, and you know, it's not uncommon to take several years for it. Like if you learn about how shows come to be on air, it's a long process Yeah, from the concept from your first script to actually putting it up on TV. And it takes a few years because you got to pitch it to right. everywhere, <laughs> as many people as you can until it gets picked up by a network. And then you got to write it and then you got to cast it and you got to make it. So it's it's it takes a long time to get to the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. So if you hear of a new series coming out, it's been in the works for years. Yeah. Hey, we also have a list of running gags for Phineas and Ferb. How many how many running gags can you name? Um, well, obviously, hey, where's Perry? Uh -huh. Um, Isabella walking through the backyard gate and going, What you doing? Mm -hmm. Major monogram yelling at Carl in some form or fashion. Um, Doofenshmirtz saying, Ah, Agent P. Candace yelling mom. I don't know. There are a lot. Yeah, it has 20 listed here, but I think there are more. It has uh, Phineas and Ferb. Oh, I know what we're going to do today. Oh, somebody saying, what, did you think this thing is going to just fall out of the sky? And then it does. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Candace being like, mom, Phineas and Ferb are doing this. 
Doofenshmirtz's inventions ending in Inator. Mm-hmm. So like, my Gloominator 3000 Inator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Isabella, what you doing? What you eating? What you, what you got? Hey, where's Perry? Doofenshmirtz plans to use his invention on the entire tri-state area. Perry getting trapped, then escapes and fights him with a backstory in between. Ferb remaining silent. Except for one good one-liner. Yeah, except for one good one-liner, yep. Uh, Curse you, Perry the Platypus, and its many forms. Let's see. Unique secret entrance to the hideout every episode. Perry disappearing. And then Doofenshmirtz's innators backfiring on Phineas and Ferb's inventions. Uh, aren't you a little young to be... Blank. Yeah. And this example to be using an arc welder? Yep. Ah, an ordinary platypus. Puts hat on. Perry the platypus! <laughs> wow. That one got violent. Perry the platypus! <laughs> I choked on my own spit. I'm fine. Uh, um, various hints of Isabella's crush on Phineas. Uh, oh, there you are, Perry. Phineas accidentally causes Ferb bodily harm because of the former's obliviousness? I don't recall this. I don't either, but I feel like if I watched a few episodes, I'd be like, yeah, all right. Okay. Occasionally, people think that what is being said is a metaphor, but it's real. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on episodes where Phineas and Ferb build tall objects, a bird is shown flying towards it and then just smacks and right into it. And then hitting it. Yep. And then Candace going, but, 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 but. So those are the ones that they have listed here. I will say the one that um, it might be included in the Isabella asking what you're doing, but Phineas always says, oh, hi, Isabella. Yeah. Like the exact same way every episode. Yeah. Okay. Here's some spicy talk. Do you think he actually liked her or not? No. Yeah, no. I don't think he did. Well, and he says in the in the finale when they're all aged up, he says, around high school, that's when I started liking you. So Yeah, so in the show, yeah. I don't think he ever liked no. her. But he did care. No, I think he thought of her as a very good friend. Like there's one episode, the the one where it's a it's a later episode, but the one where uh Doofenshmirtz makes like some kind of clone of himself that like whenever it touches anybody, they also turn into a Doofenshmirtz zombie mm-hmm. and that like spreads throughout all of Danville. So the kids are like trying to figure out how to save the world, you know, which is a great mesh between the two subplots and they lose Isabella along the way. And Phineas like freaks out <laughs> because mm-hmm. she's not with them. It is also kind of cringy to, <laughs> to watch Isabella try. and that, Well, actually, later in the series, she becomes much more confident. Yeah. There's another running gag. The patches are always so weird. Yeah, for real. So And, and very convenient to what Phineas and Ferb are doing, to the point that Isabella might just be making it up <laughs> as an I'm excuse a, to hang out with I think that's like, that's like our headcanon for Phineas and Ferb, is that Isabella's definitely making up the patches just to like get close to Phineas and Ferb. Mostly Phineas. Well, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that that time travel episode where they meet their future selves and uh, older Kansas? I keep calling her Kansas. <laughs> older. It's the Midwestern remake of the show. Yeah. Thought you were going to say remix. The Midwestern remix. Midwestern remix. DJ Khaled. Oh, no. Burr, burr, burr. DJ Kansas. No. Older Kansas has a kid uh, with her. Candace's kid points at young Isabella and is like, hey, that looks like Aunt Isabella. Yeah, I remember that. And Isabella's sitting next to young Candace and she's like, 
Did you hear that? Aunt Isabella, that means I'm going to marry Phineas. And Candace is an absolute savage, just like, or Ferb. That <laughs> line killed me, that, or Ferb. Like, so low-key about it, too. And Isabella's just devastated. Okay, okay, what do you think about Verb and, Verb? Ferb and Vanessa? I think that plot is so funny. It is. It's really funny. That was one where, like... The writers had had one too many mimosas at their Monday meeting. Someone threw it out as a joke and they were like, yeah, why not? And threw it in the storyboard. Well, they they made Ferb obviously have a crush on her, which is fine. You know, she's like 16 and he's between eight and 10. So, you know, obviously nothing's going to come of that. But then they do the, the finale. Yeah. They skip forward in time. Ferb is a grown adult, a, a legal adult. And there they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man. Man had some patience. No kidding. But yeah, I mean, overall, formulas or not, it was a really funny and original show. Oh, yeah. Very original. I think there's a reason it's like deeply nostalgic to a lot of the people who grew up with the show. And I would say like probably still highly consumed off of streaming platforms to this day. Oh, yeah. Because it's a great show. It's Excellent for binging, too. Yeah, exactly. I think because it's so formulaic. Right. And hardly anything carries through the entire show. Yeah. Like, hardly any plot points. Yeah, I think overall, if you haven't seen Phineas and Ferb... You should. And you're looking for a new light-hearted animated show to binge you should we highly recommend and it's also very funny and clever and uh heartwarming yes and if you're looking for some real bops go find you a phineas and ferb playlist and yeah put that on while you're studying <laughs> oh i don't know if that'd be good for studying because you'd be bopping along with the music true yeah, you, you should yeah you should test that out today while you're writing your million papers yeah i'm gonna just put the aglet song on repeat tonight while i'm writing my essay well, well, in conclusion, we love Phineas and Ferb, and critical points aside, we're very happy that it exists. Yes. This episode was about Phineas and Ferb and several other shows, but mostly Phineas and Ferb. I was going to say, thanks for sticking with us on our many rabbit trails today. Through our, our two-week hiatus and through our many rabbit trails, we enjoyed being back, and uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the post-production podcast where we get similarly sidetracked but have a lot of fun, um, you can check out our catalog on the streaming platforms, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can listen to all of our episodes. Uh, Kiri, how many do we have now? 78. You can listen to our 70-something episodes. I think. And if you want to be updated every time we drop a new episode... You can go ahead and hit that follow button to subscribe to our podcast. Yes. And you can also follow us individually on Instagram at Kiri underscore Jones at Rachel H and H. And we also have a podcast, postprodpod.com. Oh, and a TikTok at postproductionpod. The TikTok and the website are occasionally updated. <laughs> Very occasionally. Indeed. Occasionally. Uh, we should really use the TikTok more. But uh, we'll, we'll work on that. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the post production podcast. podcast. Mom, Kiri and Rachel are making a podcast. Bow! <laughs> <laughs> the end. Bye.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.